Thanks for listening to the Cascade Vineyard Church podcast. To learn more about our community or the vineyard movement as a whole, feel free to visit our website, cascadevineyard.org. There you'll also find additional teachings, information on our various ministries, and other resources for further developing your faith. We'd love to have you join us for worship. Enjoy this message. Uh, so yeah, I did miss you guys. Last week I was at the uh, the annual Vineyard Missions Leadership Meeting in Colorado Springs, which uh, is one of my favorite weeks of the year. I love getting together with the rest of our missions team in the Vineyard. You just hear story after story of what God's doing all over the world, and it's just phenomenal. It's a super encouraging time. Um, you know, and I really do get a lot out of that week, but I miss you guys. It's hard to be away, so I'm glad to be back. Thanks to uh, Jace for, for stepping in and speaking. Uh, it's it's wonderful also to have folks in our community that can, can come in and fill in like that. And I thanks also to, uh, to Donna and Tucker and Cindy and everybody else that kept the ball rolling here, you know. I just, uh, I worry when I'm gone, but you guys, I shouldn't, right? It's all covered. Um, uh, we're going to get back into our study in Luke today. If you've not been here, we are uh, winding our way ever so slowly through the Gospel of Luke, but today we're going to attempt to, to do what might be the impossible. We're going to cover two sections, 11 entire verses. We have been averaging about four to five verses a week, I think, so we're going to go for 11 today. So let's, uh, let's dig right in, but let's, uh, let's just offer up a little word of prayer, and then we'll take a look at it. Father, thanks so much for your word. I pray that you would enlighten the eyes of our hearts this morning, that we might uh, know you better, that we would see into what you have for us and, and just continue that process of being transformed into the people that you've called us to be. In your name we pray, amen. So our, the passage this morning really is sort of uh, a call to, to stand out, to be different, to not necessarily conform to the world around us. So our title today, if you want to go to that, is, drumroll, Life, Liberty, and the Pursuit of Happiness, question mark. Ooh. And that'll make a little more sense to you as we go. Uh, yeah, like I said, two sections. So the first section, if you go to the next slide, is verses 51 through 56, Luke chapter 9. As the time approached for him to be taken up to heaven... Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem, and he sent messengers on ahead who went into a Samaritan village to get things ready for him, but the people there did not welcome him because he was heading for Jerusalem. And when the disciples, James and John, saw this, they asked, Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? But Jesus turned and rebuked them, and then he and his disciples went to another village. So up until now, Jesus has been uh, ministering in and around Galilee. Galilee is a sort of sleepy little fishing village, and you really can't get into a whole lot of trouble there. I mean, it would be, I was thinking about it, it would be sort of like, you know, if you're going to do a political protest or some, make some kind of a statement, you know, doing that in knee tarts or something like that. It's just not... You're not going to attract a lot of attention. 
Uh, but now it says he's moving toward Jerusalem, and it says resolutely, which literally means he set his face toward. Uh, there is a fierce determination in the heart of Jesus to go toward Jerusalem. He is going into a place, he's coming from, like I said, this sleepy little fishing village and heading into a place that is really the center of both political and religious power. And uh, he can get into some trouble there. Uh, he knows what he's doing. Jesus is fully aware. He's, he's, uh, there's an old saying, poking the bear. He's poking the bear here, and he knows it. He knows there's going to be pushback when he goes into Jerusalem. There's no way Jesus is going to roll into Jerusalem, heal a few people, cast out a couple demons, and be unnoticed. That's just not going to happen. He sends some guys ahead, so they are functioning a little bit like uh, John the Baptist, preparing the way. Uh, they're probably going into town, letting people know, kind of spreading the word a little bit, Jesus is coming, maybe making the uh, reservations at the local bed and breakfast, I don't know. But they're, they're preparing the way for him in this village. A little reminder here, we've talked about this before, but the reality is that uh, Jews and Samaritans did not get along at all. There was, there was a significant sort of division and animosity between these two groups. The Samaritans are of a different race, first of all. And second of all, they practiced uh, Judaism, but a form of Judaism that would be like what we would consider a cult today, sort of an offshoot. They didn't recognize the temple. They didn't recognize Jerusalem as the head. It was, it was a very different brand of Judaism. So there was both racial and religious uh, prejudice between the Jews and the Samaritans. I was trying again to think, what would that be like today? And it might be similar to, uh, say, us and a, and a Muslim community. If we were going to go into a Muslim community, we would realize, first of all, uh, it would largely be Middle Eastern people, so there would be some racial differentiation there, and they're practicing a different religion, so there would be also uh, religious differentiation there. Uh, we've said this before, too. Because of those things, the Jews typically would not go through Samaria when they would, if they had to travel, uh, if, if Samaria was between where they were and where they were going, they, rather than even enter, uh, they would go around. And they would do that for a couple reasons. They felt like it would be unclean to walk on that ground, but also I think they were just avoiding uh, potential conflict. Not so much Jesus. Jesus goes right through. Jesus broke down walls. We live today in a somewhat polarized and disconnected society. I don't know if you've noticed that. I would say this. If we are truly going to follow Jesus then we need to begin to consider what it might look like for us to reach out to people who are different than us. And we need to be brave enough to pray and ask the Lord, what can I do to love people who are different than me? How, how might I begin to be a bridge builder and not a wall builder and find ways to love people? And I would say this, to be 
quite honest, that's our calling. That's what we're called to do. We were not called by Jesus to huddle together in a hermetically sealed little ball somewhere with people that look like us and think like us and live like us and believe like us and stay safe from everybody else. We were called to be out into the midst of the world and to extend the grace and the love of God to everyone, including those that might be as radically different from us as the Samaritans were from the Jews. In this particular instance, they were not welcome. The Samaritans did not welcome Jesus and his team. And uh, so James and John, they want to burn him down. Uh, you know, remember, these, these are the sons of thunder. And this is not their finest hour. Um, you know, if you evaluate this really on, on an up-close level, you, you realize that this, this is somewhat of a racist response because there were any number of times when Jesus and his guys were not welcome, and, and very often they would just, he would say, wipe the dust of your feet and go away. They just left and moved on. But in this case, James and John respond, I mean, you know, pretty strongly. Do you want us to call fire down from heaven? That's a bit of a strong response. Um... And, and frankly, they had, they had that, it's an Old Testament, Old Covenant response. They had Old Testament precedent. There were at least a couple times in the Old Testament where uh, fire did come down from heaven to burn up the enemies of God. Um, but the New Covenant, the New Testament, uh, the instruction of Jesus is pretty radical because in the New Covenant, you don't torture your enemies, you love them. We, we take our cues from Jesus. And we do, when we approach people who are different than us, who we might not agree with, we do call something down upon them, but it's not fire, it's the kingdom of God. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done. Let the purpose of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God, let those things come and touch the hearts of these people. Lord, would you let them know how much you love them? Not fire from heaven. Jesus wants to call the kingdom blessing down on the Samaritan. So the guys here are functioning a little bit like uh, John the Baptist. They're preparing the way. It doesn't go well. Their response is not really in line with who Jesus is and what he wants to accomplish. But I love this about Jesus. He, he, does, he, you know, he rebukes them. Guys, seriously? No, that's not what we're going to do. But he doesn't kick them out. He stays with them. Can I just say it's okay to mess up sometimes? All right? It's okay to blow it. It's okay to take risks and make mistakes. Uh, if you don't take risks, you're, if you don't make mistakes, you're probably not taking risks. It's okay to do that. It's okay. Don't let that disqualify you. Um, you know, you, I've talked to people, well, you know, I, I sin sometimes. Maybe, you know, I've had people tell me, well, I've been divorced, and so I'm disqualified. I don't pray enough. I'm really not a very spiritual person, you know. Um, don't let those things disqualify you from serving in the kingdom of God. Um, I, I love this one, you know. I, well, I have to, I, I, I want to get my act together. I've got some things I got to kind of clean up and, and get my act together. And, and then I'll follow Jesus. Uh, you know, my response is, how's that working for you? Because you'll never get your act together. 
Let's just be honest. Here, here, try this out instead. Why don't you come and follow Jesus and see what happens to that other stuff? Because the reality is the closer we get to him, the less those other things become issues. Try it in a reverse order. The beauty of the kingdom of God is this, that it is built on broken and cracked jars of clay. That in our woundedness and in our brokenness, Jesus will bring about healing. That's the beauty of the kingdom of God. Best thing you can do is get in the game. Last week in Colorado, um, our, our speaker for the week was a ga- gal named Jackie Pullinger. Anybody familiar with Jackie Pullinger? A couple of you are. you probably got to be a little bit older to be. Um, if you're not, I would highly recommend Jackie's book, Chasing the Dragon. It's about 40 years old now. Uh, but it's, it's still pretty relevant in terms of just making a radical commitment to Jesus. But in brief, I'll give you Jackie's story. She's British, uh, and as a young woman in her teen, late teens, she felt compelled, called by God, to go to China and minister to drug addicts and prostitutes uh, in a place called the Walled City, which is like a, a high-rise drug zone and it really is a city within a city, and it's a place where, uh, you know, you hear about someplace being lawless. The walled city is literally lawless. The police will not go inside of there because it's so dangerous. So this is what Jackie felt compelled to do. The problem was no one would let her go. She talked to missions agencies. She talked to churches and, and church leaders and different people and kept getting turned down. No one is going to allow her to go into China uh, and do the ministry she felt called to do. You're too young. It's too dangerous. You're a woman. You're not a woman. You're a girl. Uh, you, you know, the, the, this is, you can't do this. And let, let's be honest. That is good and wise counsel. All right. If I can be 100% honest, if Jackie Pullinger came to me, I would have said the same thing. But God had called her to go. So she got on a boat alone and went to China, and she's been ministering uh, to some of the most broken people in the world for over 50 years. And I'll tell you, it's always convicting. The missions conference is always convicting. But um, at 75 years old, Jackie is as passionate about the kingdom of God as she was at 20. Um, I felt like uh, Wayne and Garth, you know, we're not worthy, we're not worthy. But but it was just just precious. It was just beautiful to hear her story. I'm not qualified. I, I, I don't know if I can do this. Well, don't let that stop you. Uh, don't let the fear of making mistakes stop you from entering into the kingdom of God. Pray and ask God, what do, you, what do you have for me? What might I be involved in? And who knows what that might be or where it might lead you. I, I doubt anybody here is called to work in the walled city of China, but God might call you to work in the inner city of Portland. I don't know. Let's look at the next few verses if we could. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. 
He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. One more. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. You know, um, Jesus is a lot of things, but he's not a great salesman. Uh, he's not selling this, you know. Uh, the first guy comes, and he wants to sign up. I want to follow you. And so what does Jesus say? Well, let me tell you the truth. Uh, there's no place to sleep, you know. It's going to be cold. Uh, it's long, hard days, long hours, low pay, and the food's not that great. Second guy comes, and he says, you know, let me bury my dad. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. That, it's just not very nice, is it? I mean, uh, poor guy's grieving, you know. What does he mean by that? The, the, the burial process in first century uh, ancient Near East was a little weird. Uh, but again, remember, it's you know, a while back. But they would take the deceased person, they would bury them either in a very shallow grave or put them in a cave somewhere for about a year and let them kind of decompose. And then when the body was decomposed, then they would take the body and put the remains in a box. So it was, it was sort of like slow motion cremation, all right? But the point is that that year time was sort of a gap where people were allowed to mourn and grieve, and the funeral service wasn't held until a year later. So what this guy is actually asking is, hey, I need some time. Um, and, and, and frankly, it's a legitimate request. I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that. That's what we're supposed to do, right? We honor those people that have passed away, especially our family or our parents. Uh, but, but really what Jesus is saying here is, hey, look, it's time to move on. That guy's dead. I'm about life. If you want to come and be about life or do you want to stay here and take care of that? I mean, again, he's being very blunt. And he's kind of dissing social etiquette a little bit. It, it's, if it sounds offensive to you, what Jesus is saying here, then you're on track. It is. He's very much challenging the status quo. What Jesus is saying is this. Look, if you're going to follow me, you can't keep coming up with reasons why you can't follow me. The third guy just wants to say goodbye. Jesus says, don't look back. It's a little harsh. The cost is high. It, it really is. And, and Jesus is spelling it out pretty straightforwardly. He's not pulling any punches here. Following Jesus really is more important than social convention. And I think that's a word for us today. You can't enter my kingdom, uh, you know, with a divided allegiance. It's really all or nothing. In the kingdom of God, God is king, and you can only have one king. That's it. Can't have two kings. Can't serve God and somebody else. Um, but again, I think the beauty of Jesus is if these three guys came back to him next week, he would welcome them back. Okay, you ready to go now? Now we'll go. Because what they were asking weren't terrible things. Nothing they were asking was out of line. All, all they were asking was kind of normal social conventions. But Jesus says, my call is higher than that. Um, follow me. 
follow me. And if you follow me, there's a cost to be paid and you might have to then let go of other things. You might not be able to participate in some of the things that other people are able to participate in. So uh, part of my mission's responsibility is uh, as regional coordinator for Central America and Mexico, uh, and that means that I help churches in the United States connect with churches in those countries sort of to, to uh, prepare for, to, to plant churches, to grow. And the goal, kind of the end game, is that each country would be recognized as their own association of vineyard churches, which means they would be self-sustained, self-reproducing, and self-governing. And uh, brrr, Mexico has, a, has accomplished that task. And so in January... Mexico will be released as its own association of vineyard churches. Probably doesn't mean a whole lot to you, but it means a lot to the folks, the pastors and leaders of Mexico. So uh, there's a celebration <clears throat> and a conference connected to that event. And uh, it was scheduled for mid-February. But last week, uh, Walter Gonzalez, who some of you guys have met, he's been here with us, uh, he told me, hey, we had to move the dates. So now it's January 30th. Well, January 30th is my 38th wedding anniversary. So Donna picked me up at the airport. We're driving home from the airport, and I have to tell her that I'm going to be in Mexico on our anniversary. There is a price to pay. You don't have to feel that sorry for me, but you might feel sorry for her. Um, you know, but here's the reality. When you, somebody might say, well, that's terrible. And, and the truth is, is when you question sort of the fundamental kind of assumptions of society, sort of the social conventions that we follow day to day, some people go, well, why would you do that? How dare you do that? That's not right. You can't do that. There, 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 there are core values of our culture uh, that, that are good in and of themselves. They're not, they're not bad, but they, they might hinder the pursuit of God's kingdom. And that's, that's where we have to really kind of think through where are we in this process. For example, and this is where we kind of get into our, the title of the message a little bit, our Declaration of Independence here in the United States says that we as Americans have some unalienable rights. We have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And we don't question that. You don't question that. If you question that, then you're, some, you're a commie or a left-wing tree-hugging liberal or something. I don't know. Um, you know, and I would never uh, oppose... The Declaration of Independence, it's an amazing political document, and I'm going to go on record and say I'm, I like living here. It's a good place to live. But that said, I pledge allegiance to Jesus Christ. That's a higher calling, and when those two things come in conflict, I have to decide where do I lie in this situation. See, I have the right to life. That's a good thing. I, I can protect myself. That's great. I have the right to life. But as a citizen of the kingdom of God, that does not define me. In fact, when I read the Gospels, Jesus said, if I want to gain my life, I have to lose my life. It's a different perspective. The right to liberty means that I am a free person. I, I, I live as I choose. I, I, just, I help decide who governs me. But once again, as good as that is, it doesn't define me. 
To many people today, God is on the side of political freedom, and that's worth killing somebody for. But the reality is that's not the kingdom of God. As a Christian, I don't necessarily live the way I want to live all the time. I live the way God wants me to live. We have the amazing political right to vote in our country, which is not true around the rest of the world. And um, if, if you don't know that, you should be thankful. You know, my friends in Nicaragua live in an environment where the right to vote is a joke. It means absolutely nothing because the outcome of the election is predetermined before it happens. And frankly, if you come against the results, you get shot. But it doesn't matter where you live, and this is my point, is that my trust, our trust, does not lie in that process. If we think that I'm doing more that I'm exercising my freedom by casting a vote than I am by serving people, it's a misguided notion. You know, we, we can think the greatest power on earth is the United States military, but the reality is this, the greatest power on earth is the love of God. Our hope, my hope lies in the ability to serve others in the name of Jesus. That's the hope that I have. When I meet someone, regardless of who they are, where they've come from, or what their current circumstances are, my hope is that Jesus can change their life. As for the pursuit of happiness, which uh, isn't original to the Declaration of Independence anyway, it was coined by John Locke, a British philosopher, 100 years before the Declaration was written, Now you're going to correct me. <laughs> it was his theory. Um, look, it, it, but what that means is that I have the freedom, I have the right to do whatever I can to try to be happy, and I like that. I would rather be happy than not happy. Uh, but I would, I would add that, you know, it's sort of like a catch-22 because you don't have the right to be happy. You have the right to try to be, uh, you know, figure that one out. Um, but, but again, I affirm that. I think that's a, that's a good stance. But as a kingdom person, I have to recognize that that's not the only approach to life. The reality is this. I can do a lot of things. I can buy the house, the car, the clothes. I could get into or out of a relationship to make myself more happy. But is, is, is that really a kingdom life? You know, do I live my life according to the pursuit of happiness or do I live my life according to Scripture and do things that might not make me happy, that might be difficult. So the question is, do I, do I live my life according to what God wants from me, or do I live my life according to those things that will make me happy? And they might be different things. To pursue happiness and pursue the kingdom of God are two different things. Now, with that, I think we would add this. Uh, happiness and joy are different. Uh, 
They're not the same thing. Happiness is purely circumstantial, okay? Uh, all is well with my life. Everything's going good, and so I am happy. Joy transcends circumstances. Joy uh, is rooted in the goodness of God and the understanding that I'm a child of God and I can have that assurance even when circumstances in my life aren't going good. I can be joyful and maybe not happy. It's not based on how much money I have. It's not based on wh whether I'm free or I'm in prison, whether I live in this country or I live in some other country. It's not based on any of those things. Uh, the joy of God transcends all of that because it has nothing to do with circumstances. It has everything to do with the reality that my life is held in the hands of God. I'm in Him. That's, that's the reality. So... Uh, if the worship team would come back up, I just want to close and not dig myself into a deeper hole today. Um, Jesus is first. What Jesus is saying to us in this passage is, look, if you want to follow me, you have to make a decision that that's going to be the first and foremost thing in your life is to follow me. And you have to weigh out every other decision you make based on that decision. Is this consistent with that or not? Um, so I, so I, I, I believe Jesus was being honest more so than harsh here and that he really was telling these guys the truth. If you want to follow after me, uh, you've got to stop making excuses why you can't follow after me. All right, why don't we stand? Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to sow into what God is doing through Cascade Vineyard, we always welcome your prayers for our church body, our communities, and our leadership. If you'd like to contribute financially, please visit cascadevineyard.org give.